One of the things we like to do at Living Water is have age-appropriate lessons during the sermon time, and so I'll go ahead and dismiss Little Treasures, that's three, four, and five-year-olds. If you are visiting with us, you're welcome. If you have a child age three, four, five, uh, right in the back of the worship center here is where they gather, and then they get led up to this uh, upper room that they can actually see us if the child is a little bit nervous, wants to maybe see mom and dad, they can peer out that window and make faces at me during that whole time too. We can also dismiss our K through five, we call that Jam, Jesus and Me, and they meet in the large room uh, just to my left at the back of the worship area there, and then as they learn a lesson, as they see a video, they have a small group time afterward where grades are divided and they go into their specific small group to discuss the lesson they learned. They find their way to where they need to be. We hopefully find our way to where we need to be in Psalm 23. We've been going through the book of Psalms, but more uh, zoomed in, we go through specifically Psalm 23 during this Lent season, asking God to restore us, asking God to give a new light on the Lent season as we prepare for Easter. With all of that being said, would you join me in a time of prayer as we ask him to bless our time of study? Let's pray together. God, you and you alone are the one who makes us free. You are the one who offers true freedom not according to our definition, according to the world's definition, according to your definition. God, I wonder then, what is that freedom used for? What are our purposes in that freedom? Could it be for selfish reasons? Absolutely. Could I just do what I want because I can? It's a danger. I confess the times where I've done that. We confess corporately the times where we chase our own desires, where we chase what the world tells us to chase, where we forget that the work you have done, the sending of your son, the dying on the cross, the taking of our sins, it's for your glory. It's for your name's sake. So God, remind us again, Challenge where you need to challenge. Remind where you need to remind. Speak the words that you need to speak. May we hear you clearly this morning. We pray this all in your incredibly holy name. Amen. Psalm 23, according to the NIV, it is going to be on. You can also follow along on your app. You can follow along in your hardcover Bible. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thanks be to God for his holy and inspired word. Restores in NIV in verse 3 is going to be a big part of looking for some definition about the right thing, about the righteous path. Restores in the NIV is given a few different translations as you look at different versions of our scripture, whether it's King James Version or English Standard Version. You might read restores, you might read refreshes, but one of the definitions that is very, very uh, different or peculiar even is to return. The Lord returns my soul. The Hebrew word shub is actually where these definitions come from or where these words are placed out of. And as I've said before, when it comes to the Hebrew language, it's really, really difficult to narrow in on one specific apples to apples type word. As we try our best to find a word that describes that authorship of David, as we try to find one specific word that summarizes everything, it's nearly impossible. And so you get a list of words that it could possibly mean. You look at the entire context to try to see which one understands it, which one gets into it the most. And so using words like restore and refresh might get us somewhere, but I think part of what we get to see from David is to use this word return in verse 3. He returns my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Why return? Why is that such an important word? Why does that carry something with it? Think through it for a second like this. Our soul needs to return. If David is writing, God returns my soul, then quite literally it's telling us that something needs to happen. A return needs to take place. If you have a book out to the library, you need to return it. You get a notification that says it's time to return. And so there's something about going back, something about returning our soul. The long story of this returning, the long story of our soul returning has to do with the fall of creation. It has to do with Adam and Eve deciding that their pride and their honor and what is best for them is better than anything that God could give them. Remember in Genesis at the creation, as God places Adam and Eve in this beautiful garden, as he walks alongside them, as everything is there, human nature takes over Adam and Eve. Adam, Adam and, Eve and they decide to chase their own glory. 
to chase their own pride, to gain knowledge, to gain life. They think that if they do what they think is best, something will happen that is good for them. Some need will be fulfilled. As they make that decision, as they fall into sin, it becomes generational then for us to be depraved, for us to have every single part of ourselves tainted with original sin, to have every single decision we make be tainted by human nature, to have every single action we take, to have every single thought be involved with sin. There is nothing we can do any longer that is purely and utterly perfect. We have been infected by sin. And so David recognizes this and says, God needs to return my soul. God needs to restore that shalom that was taking place in the garden. God needs to return to a perfect relationship with me. Remember this author that is writing this, David who is writing this, has experienced this very, very frequently. One of the most well-known decisions that he makes against God's desire is when he lusts after a woman named Bathsheba. Remember that in that story, David took it upon himself to take Bathsheba's husband and put him in the front line of a dangerous war. Incredibly desiring Bathsheba to be a widow, David puts matters in his own hands and he goes against God's will. And he recognizes that he has gone somewhere he shouldn't go. He recognizes that he has done something he shouldn't do. He recognizes that his thoughts, that his desires need to return. Need to return to that garden moment. Need to return to that perfect relationship. Need to return to shalom. As he recognizes that this call for God refreshing, this call for God returning really becomes a confession time. And what better moment for us to allow that to become a prayer in our souls than the time of celebrating these sacraments, the time of looking at communion as a call to ask God to restore a relationship, to ask God to refresh, to ask God to return our souls to a relationship with him. As David writes that his soul is being returned, that he is refreshing that relationship with God, it's only then that he can write about following down a righteous path. It's only after the relationship is restored that he can now say, God leads me along a righteous path. It's only now that he can say, I can choose the right thing because the relationship has been restored. Pete Scazzaro is the author of the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality series we just got through. And he also does a podcast for Emotionally Healthy Leaders. 
In one of his most recent editions, in one of his most recent episodes, Scazzaro says this about making right choices, about doing the right thing. He says, who you are precedes what you do. Who you are precedes what you do. You make the choice out of your character. You make the choice out of your definition of yourself. You make the choice out of who you are. I would even go one step further as we look at this psalm. It's not just who you are that precedes what you do. It's whose you are that precedes what you do. David recognizes that if he wants this righteous path, if he chooses the correct thing, it's only because of the definition that he has in his relationship with God. It's only because of the definition that God has of him. It's only because of the restoring of his soul that he's now able to make the right call. I got really excited about this particular verse I was hoping to land on this one on a Sunday where we could spend about two hours looking at it specifically because I really feel like this right path thing is in my wheelhouse. I really feel like I have always had this kind of moral compass. I just have an understanding of what the right thing is. If you listen to the Gary and Jesse talk about podcast uh, show, the episode that we uh, tried to describe which Marvel character we are, I choose Captain America because I look like Chris Evans. I really thought about not telling that joke. No, I choose Captain America, and to give you all non-Marvel fans just a little bit of a quick update on what that is, because he has a strong moral compass. Because more often than not, he's going to do the right thing. And I tell you all of this not in order to say, isn't Gary good about his moral compass? I tell you all of this because I struggled crazily with this verse. I struggled mightily with, wait, why do I do the right thing? And it caused me to dive into Schizero's quote, who you are precedes what you do. It caused me to search my own soul and to say, wait, why do you do the right thing? And here's a couple of things that were bouncing around as reasons. Somehow, some way, I had this belief that if I do the right thing, then maybe I'll get paid back for it later. Almost in a way of depositing one righteous act in order to get some kind of reward later on. And I was thinking through the reality that it doesn't always happen immediately. Maybe I do the right thing and then five years later something good happens. How incorrect. How against God's theology the right thing isn't a deposit in the bank. The right thing isn't a karma-based theology. The right thing is not in order to get something good back. David knows this very well. He doesn't say that he is going to be led along the right path so that he gets Bathsheba. 
He doesn't get led down the right path so that he gets more and more people in his army. In fact, when he tries to count the people in his army, God gets upset and says, this is wrong. What you're doing is wrong. Question yourself there. Are you doing the right thing so that you get something good back? Because that is not how it works. The other thing that I fell into, maybe I do the right thing in order to get some recognition. Friday is usually my day off, and I, and I uh, like to try to do several different things in order to experience Sabbath, especially as I listened to all this Cazero uh, podcast as we went through Emotionally Healthy. I recognize how important Sabbath is, and I recognize how needed a break from your usual pattern is. And so on Friday, I thought I would do something different. I thought I would exercise. And so I took the dogs out for a walk, and I'm going through the park and I've said it to my kids several times, like, oh, man, this park just has dog poop all over the place. Somebody should really pick up that dog poop. And then I started thinking, what a wonderful way of serving. I think I should do that. And so I got my glove, I got my grocery bag, and I start picking up poop on Friday. And here's the the completely incorrect part. I started picking this poop up and I'm kind of low-key looking around. I hope somebody sees me. Man, wouldn't they think Gary is really cool if they saw me picking up this poop? And then I got to thinking, if they come and they talk to me like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm picking up poop. Well, why are you picking up poop? It's my day off, and I'm serving the Lord by picking up poop. And how cool would it be if I get to use that recognition, and I get to say, and I get to hear somebody say, oh, you're such a servant, Gary. Shame on you, Gary Dean Nyenheis. Shame on you for thinking that way about recognition. We are led down the right path. We do the right thing not to get recognition, If that's your purpose, then it's an empty, hollow, not fulfilling type of service. It's a clanging symbol, the apostle says. If you're doing this for your own purpose, for your own glory, something is off. Something is missing. We're not doing the right thing for our sake, for our recognition. What's the answer then? Why? Why go down the right path? We go down the right path for his name's sake. We go down the right path so that God may be glorified. We do the right thing so that God can be honored, so that God can receive glory, so that he can have what he desires to circle all the way back around He desires you. He desires a relationship. He desires to restore what was gone. He desires to return your soul. He desires to have you close to him. Why do we do the right thing? Why do we follow down the right path? Because that's where God is. I go where he goes. I spend time 
on what he would spend time on. I ask that his name is glorified. I ask that he is the one who receives honor and praise so that I can have a relationship with him. Jesus says it in John 12 as Passion Week really begins for him. He spends time in prayer and he says, what should I do now? Should I ask that this cup is taken? No. Instead, I say, Father, may your name be glorified. The incredible thing is that God responds back in John 12 to that request. Father, may your name be glorified. God responds with, I have glorified it. And I'm going to glorify it again. It's a beautiful picture of what the righteous path looks like. It's an understanding that in the middle of pain, in the middle of suffering, in the middle of what Jesus was about to go through, the relationship was still there. The relationship was solidified between father and son. The relationship that he restored, the relationship that he desires with us. We're going to enter into a time of communion and our hope, the ask, is for you to have that relationship restored. For you to do the work of understanding that there is not a basis of your work. That it's not about you doing the right thing in order to restore the relationship. Instead, it's about restoring the relationship first about giving him glory and honor and giving him what he wants and what he wants is you. During communion, take time to contemplate your relationship with him. Take time to contemplate why you do what you do. Take time to have him return your soul. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. You and you alone, God. You and you alone can restore our soul. You and you alone can refresh our soul. You and you alone can return our soul. God, may we rely on you for that this morning. May you do what you do. In your holy name we pray. Amen.